Welcome to this week's Rashi Shear, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. Rashi Shear on Perak Yudchet, Pasuk Kaf Gimel. And Pasuk Kaf Gimel is when Avraham engages with HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the fate of Saddam. And we read Vayagesh. Uh, sorry, by Yigash Avraham, by Yomar, Avraham drew near and said. Now, we talked last week about by Yigash. Rashi had quite a bit to say on that word by Yigash. But now let's see what he has to say <coughs> on the words that Avraham actually uses. Ha'af tisfer sadik im rasha. So tisfer is to destroy, sadik with rasha. Ha'af, says Rashi, means... Hagam tisper, hagam tisper. Will you even, or will you also, better still, ha'af is more like even, but hagam is will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, at this point, I want to say that um, I haven't quite untangled everything in Rashi. Maybe we'll do that tonight. About it, to what extent Abraham was asking for the guilty to be saved, the, the Rashaim to be saved, or just the Sadiqim to be saved. Uh, and it seems like it's a bit of both. And at this point, he says, if you're going to kill the Rashaim, will you also kill the Sadiqim? And that is Hagam, which is Rashi's translation of Ha'af. Just in case you weren't sure what Af meant, it translates it as Gam, meaning also, which is one of the meanings of Af. So will you also kill the Sadiqim with the Rashaim, which means at this point, Abraham is not demanding that Hashem uh, does not punish or does not kill the Rashaim. He's saying, if you're going to kill the Rashaim, you should not also kill the Sadiqim. And uh, in Posit Kaf Hay, he expounds particularly on this issue of killing Sadiqim along with Rashaim. Okay. Now, Rashi then brings another interpretation, and he says, According to Unculus's translation, he translates it as the expression of anger. Anger being another translation, a really different translation of af. So af means even also, but completely differently, it also means anger as in the heat in one's nose anthropomorphically. When Hashem gets angry, his nose gets on fire. That's called af. Obviously, very, very much an anthropomorphism. Obviously, very much uh, the Torah speaking in the language of man. But, so af can mean something completely different from gam, even, also. It can mean roges, anger. And that is our onkelos translates it. So says Rashi, if you're going to say it means anger, this is how you explain it. Will your anger lead you to destroy the tzaddik with the rasha? Now, why does Rashi quote this explanation? Well, you could say because when the Targum gives a completely different approach to Rashi, he mentions it as well. I mean, to a, almost, you could almost say that the Perush Rashi is a Perush on the Targum. 
But you can't really, that doesn't work because that only happens in a few particular instances. There are a number of instances, but it's by no means exhaustive when Rashi goes out of his way to explain what the Targum is saying. But uh, there are so many gaps, there are so many exceptions to such a general uh, procedure that you can't say that Rashi is always explaining the Targum. So basically he's bringing the Targum as a Dava'acher, as a second explanation. And perhaps he needs the two for the following reason, that according to the first one, that one Rashi quoted first, that Ha'af means Hagam, there is a problem. And the problem is that Abraham is starting in the middle of the conversation. Because once you say also, um, or no, not quite that also follows directly on from something that was previously said, he's saying you're also going to kill the tzaddik with the Russia, which means there's already been some discussion about killing the Rashaim. So then Abraham comes along and says, ah, if you're going to kill the Rashaim, will you also kill the tzaddikim? So it's a little bit hard to posit that we're starting in the middle of the conversation. On the other hand, and I think I'm going to give a simple explanation why Rashi doesn't prefer the onkelos, because that's not the usual meaning of af. The simple pshat of af is also, or even, or something along those lines. To say af here refers to anger is deviating from the pshat. So although onkelos has the benefit that he's not starting in the middle of a conversation, he has the deficiency that he's choosing a non-pshat or a less pshat, if you like, interpretation of the word af. Okay, so Avraham, having started by saying that he, Avraham, has a problem with what Hashem is planning to do, and in particular, he's got a problem with the Sadiqim perishing along with the Rashayim, then he starts his dealing, his bargaining. Not much of a bargain, it's not really two sides um, giving way, but Avraham starts his pleading for the people of Sodom. And he says in Kaf Dalat, Perhaps there are 50 Sadiqim in the midst of the city. Will you also, translating af like he did before in the previous verse, will you also destroy and will you not bear, as in forgive, as in tolerate the place? for the sake of the 50 Sadiqim which are in it. Now, before we see what Rashi has to say, I want to say that I think, and not just me, but Rashi is over the next um, five Pesukim, um, sorry, the last one is uh, 32, so... Um, and we're on the 26. So the next um, so nine, uh, yeah, nine psukim. Um, Rashi is stretching himself in order to explain one thing in particular, namely the numbers of Sadiqim that Abraham chooses. He chooses the numbers 50, and then he says 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And we could possibly say, well, some of those numbers are sort of a, a natural progression, indeed an arithmetic progression, but that still raises the question why you start at 50 and stop at 10. But there's one number which to me anyway stands out as not fitting the pattern, and that is the number 45. So we go 50, 45, 
40, 30, 20, 10. Why those numbers? And Rashi presents a pattern and he will explain why it starts at 50 and finishes at 10 and why there is 45. And so every comment we're going to see in the next nine Pesukim, bear in mind that Rashi is explaining why these numbers. Now, alternative explanations, and I'm thinking of the Rambam. The Rambam comments on Rashi and, and explains a point about Rashi, which we will get to at the right time. But he also says, Rashi says what he says, I, the Ramban, just think they're sort of just the obvious numbers to choose. I'm caricaturing a little bit, which is probably not fair to the Ramban. But basically, he says, they're the sort of numbers that you would choose. Now, that is, to my mind, unsatisfactory. Because if Abraham had said 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, possibly, possibly, we'd still want to know why he starts at 50. But once he says 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, it doesn't make sense to say this is just a, a natural progression because 45 clearly sits outside the arithmetic progression of difference being minus 10. So bear that in mind when Rashi explains the numbers. What does he say about the number 50? And so on Pasuk Kaftala, Rashi says, chamishim sadikim, asara sadikim krach ukrach. 10 tzaddikim for each town. Ki hei mokomot yesh. Because there were five places. Now, how do we know there were five places? Because these are the five places that were the five represented by the five kings fighting against the four kings. And in Bereshit Yud Dalat, we know who these five kings are, or the five places, Sodom, Amora. Adama, Savoim, and Tso'ar. Tso'ar is going to be mentioned explicitly later on because Lot wants to escape Tso'ar. But the other four, well, one of which is Sodom, are not mentioned here. In fact, it's Rashi's Chiddush, but there are five places. And uh, Rashi says they are the same five, or Rashi implies they are the same five places as the five kings against the four kings back in Heruki of Dal and Okay, so he says there are five, which is why Abraham's first go, first bid, is 50, which Rashi explains as 10 per city. And because we, well, he hasn't actually explained why 10 is so crucial. Um, we might think of a minion. Rashi doesn't make that point. Let's see what Rashi says about 10 when we finish off, uh, by the time we get to the, the end of this section. Um, he doesn't connect it to a minion, but 10 seems to be... A significant number and the reason there are 50 and I'll say now this is going to explain why there's 40 30 20 10 or I will say it's 10 per city so 50 Sadiqim can save five cities because there were five places says Rashi by the way Rashi doesn't spell out but let's have a look does that mean you have to have 10 people in Saddam to save Saddam 10 in Amora to save Amora, 10 in Tzavaim to save Tzavaim? No, because if you look at the Pasuk, it says, There are 50 Sadiqim in the city. So they can be in one city, or they can be spread out. And then if there are 50 Sadiqim, will you then save the whole place? So even if there are 50 Sadiqim in, let's say, Saddam, Abraham is asking that we just average them out. 50 Sadiqim across the five places 
averages out at 10 per city, and that saves each of the five cities. So that is Rashi's principle, which you'll see he sticks to. Five times 10 will save five cities. And then Rashi says, uh, and in some Chumashim, um, this actually goes, uh, this comment to the next line of Rashi, which we've got on Kafdalad, and most editions that I've seen has in Kafdalad, but some actually have it in Kafe, going with the opening words of Kafe. So if you can't find it in Kafdalad, look in Kafe. Anyway, what the comment is, is the following. Be'im tomar, lo yatsilu hatsadikim et arashayim, lama tamit hatsadikim. If you say, Abraham says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the Sadiqim cannot save the Rashayim, then why should the Sadiqim die? So again, as I said, it's not actually explicit, the whole part of Abraham's argument. Again, he sounds like he's starting in the middle. He's saying, it would be nice to save the Rashayim, but if you're not going to save the Rashayim, at least save the Sadiqim. Because if you don't save the Sadiqim, that leads into Pasuk Kafhe. So in Pasuk Kafhe, Abraham leaves the numbers for a moment and adds to his argument that if you don't listen to me, something very wrong is happening. And by the way, this Pasuk, if it wouldn't be written, it could never be said, because it's astonishing how Abraham speaks to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And he says the following in Pasuk Kafhe, Chalila Lacha, Chalila Lacha, it would be chulin, it would be something non-sacred or profane for you, going back to the Pasuk, to do like this thing. And what is to do like this thing? Continues the Pasuk, lahamit tzadik im rasha and to kill a tzaddik with a rasha. So let's just go back a bit before we carry on with the Pasuk. Rashi translates Khalila Lacha as Chulin Hu Lacha. What does Khalila mean? Well, Khalila means actually a lot of things. Chas Khalila, it's an expression of, uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, it's such a terrible thing. And Khalila, says Rashi, is related to Chulin. Chulin means non-profane, sorry, non-sacred, i.e. profane. Um, we have things in the world which might be, if you separate off some of the produce of your field, that separated becomes truma or maaser, and it has a certain degree of kedusha. And the rest of the food that you've separated away from has not that status of kedusha, and therefore it is chulin. Um, and that's, that's fine. What is not fine is to make something into chulin. If you machalel something, you take out the sanctity. So if you machalel Shabbat, you, Shabbat becomes less holy. Uh, if you treat truma in an improper fashion, you are machalel, you are desanctifying the truma. Chalel also is perhaps related to the word chol, which means empty, because you are emptying out the kedusha. Of course, uh, uh, a better example we have every week. We have the day of Shabbat, and the rest of the week is chol, is, or chol, is not kodesh. And so here's the thing, Abraham says to Hashem, if you act in this way to kill the tzaddik with the rasha, it will be chulin for you. Now I said, this is the most amazing, audacious thing for a person to say to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, because who is a Kaddish Baruch Hu? As the 
nickname suggests, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He is the ultimate Kedusha. That is who Hashem is, HaTakadosh Hashem HaKadosh. And Abraham says, if you do this thing, you will be the antithesis of Kedusha. You will be Chulin. We can go a little bit further because we are familiar with the idea of a Chilu Hashem. What does Chilu Hashem mean? So if we, we, we know that it means that if we, a Jewish person, acts in an improper way, it brings disrespect to Hashem. People will say, oh, you see that Jew acting in that way? It must mean that the Jewish God is not such a good God. And we call that Chilu Hashem because that's the way that Hashem is, as it were, desanctified. If people think badly of the Jews and then they think badly of Hashem who gave them their mitzvot, then Hashem becomes less Kodesh in the eyes of the people. That is why it's called Chilol Hashem. And Avraham is saying to Hashem, if you do this thing, it will be a Chilol Hashem. But a Chilol Hashem caused by Hashem himself. That's what I mean about the audacity of what Avraham is doing here. So Chalil Lecha, says Rashi, means Chulin Hu Lecha. It will be Chulin for you. Now, let's just finish the Pasuk, and then we'll go back to the Rashi. Now, let's say from the beginning of the Pasuk again. Kafei. Chalil Lecha, which we now know means, it will be Chulin for you, which I'm slightly retranslating as, if you do like this thing. Lahamit Sadiq Im Rasha, to kill a tzaddik with a rasha, v'hayak a tzaddik k'rasha. And it will be like the tzaddik, like the rasha, which means you are equating the tzaddik and the rasha. And then he continues, chalila lacha, same uh, words again. Uh, Rashi has a reason why it's repeated. We'll come back to that in a minute. Hashofet kala aret lo yaaseh mishpat. And we'll leave Rashi to translate that as well. So let's go back to Rashi on chalila lacha, which we've already said, uh, it starts off by saying, Chulin Hulacha. Says Rashi, Yomru, they will say, who will say? People of the world will say, Kach Hu Emunato. This is his craft, or this is his style. Shotef Hakol, he washed away everything. That's a reference to the flood. Sadikim Urashayim, the wicked and the righteous. Kach Asita Lador Hamabol. That's what he did to the Dor HaMabol, the generation of the flood, Ulador HaPalaga, and the generation of the dispersal. Um, sorry, I think Shotev HaKol refers to both, and in fact refers to the third time that Hashem might do this thing. He, what, what Abraham means, as says Rashi, is that he is in the habit of Shotev HaKol washing away everything. When a river overflows, it takes everything in its stream good things and bad things. It doesn't discriminate. Says Avraham to Hashem, as explained by Rashi, you, Hashem, will be accused, will be said by people of being shotef wiping away, washing away everything without discriminating between Sadiqim and Rashaim. And he gives two examples where he's, Hashem has done that, allegedly, already. This will be the third. And perhaps there's a suggestion that if this is the third, there'll be a chazaka, it will become established. And then yomru kachu emunato, people will say, this is Hashem's way, this is his Hashem style. He does it repeatedly, he does it three times. The flood, the doha uh, paragava, dispersal, and now this one. Now, at the flood, you might remember that it wasn't quite like that. Hashem didn't kill the Sadiqim with the Rashaim. He kept alive eight people, Noach, and his three sons, and Noah's wife, and his son's wives. 
there were eight people, and in many respects, and we'll see this later, that they were considered tzaddikim. So how could people accuse Hashem of wiping away the tzaddikim at the time of the Mabul? So maybe people would say, ah, he only kept them alive to propagate the species. He needed some humans to stay alive to keep the world going. And they wouldn't realize that he saved them also because they were tzaddikim. So we've got two examples already of Shotev Hakol. That says Rashi is what Abraham is complaining about in particular because Abraham uses the words in the passage, Lahamit Tzaddik Im Rasha, Vahayaka Tzaddik Karasha, treating, punishing, killing Tzaddikim along with Rashaim without distinction is what people will say of Hashem. And that is why it will be Chulin for you. And that is what we would say is a Chilul Hashem. Then Rashi says on the words Kedavah Hazer, he says, Lo hu velo bo. Not this and not similar to this. Why? What is Rashi bothered by? He's bothered by the cuff, the cuff hadimunyon, the cuff of uh, similarity. It would have made more sense, we might have thought, to read the Pasuk, Halilu l'chame asot devar hazeh. It would be chulim for you to do this thing. Why does he say, like this thing? So Rashi says it means this thing or similar. It's all contained in the words like this thing. Obviously, this thing is like this thing, so it's covered by like this thing. And similar things are covered by like this thing. So what would be a similar thing? It might be punishing without killing. So at the moment, Abraham is focused on the word he uses, lahamit sadikim rasha, but kiyotse bezer, similar to this, would be a punishment that would afflict all the inhabitants of Sodom and Amorah and, and the whole five towns, which, and the punishment, even if it's not death, might also be one that doesn't distinguish between the Tzaddikim and the Rashaim, and that also would be a Chil Hashem if Hashem did that. Then Rashi comments on why we have Khalil twice. Uh, sorry, the second one is Khalil um, That's because of the uh, structure of the Passover. Why is it Khalil says Rashi, Olam haba, for the world to come. Now this is very difficult. Um, someone to explain that Rashi is talking about Olam haba. I would like to share with you the interpretation of the Chizkuni, who says it means for future generations, which I find a lot easier. Um, I find it's very problematic to say that Abraham is saying that Hashem will create a Chil Hashem in Olam haba. I'm not sure what that would mean. So I would prefer the interpretation that Olam Haba, and I realize it's a little bit difficult because it's not how we normally refer to the future in this world, but I offer it as Hashem Avraham is saying, not only will it be a Chilul Hashem for you now, for this generation, but it will be a Chilul Hashem for future generations, which is what Rashi says is Olam Haba. And finally on this Pasuk, Rashi comments on the words Hashofet Kol Haaretz. And Rashi says, Nikud b'chatav patach, the hay of hashofet is vowelized with a chatav patach. Patach hay, sorry, nikud b'chatav patach, hay shel hashofet, loshen tamiya. It is an expression of wonder, or it is the hay interrogative. A hay with a chatav patach is, it means, is it the case that? So is it the case that shofet kala aret lo yaaseh mishpat? But then Rashi says, v'chi mi shehu shofet lo yaaseh mishpat emet. V'chi, is it that, 
someone who is a shofet, a judge, lo should he not do mishpat emet, true justice. Now, two things that are significant here that Rashi is, is helping us with. The first is, ha-shofet could be read as, is he a shofet? Ha-shofet, he is a shofet, question mark? Rashi disabuses us of that notion. And that's why he rewrites the verse as saying, v'chi mishu shofet. Could it be someone who is a shofet? So the snap there, there he is a shofet, that's not in doubt. You might think ha shofet, the hey interrogative means is Hashem a shofet? No, it doesn't mean that. It means one who is a shofet, should he not do mishpat, justice, judgment? And then Rashi adds the word emet, which isn't there in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says ha shofet kala aret lo mishpat. Rashi says the chimisha hu shofet. So those words of Rashi are deliberate, I mean, word for word, rephrasing of the words in the Chumash, but he adds the word emet. And the reason for that, well, there's two suggestions that I saw. One is that sometimes the word mishpat means punishment. Um, uh, various people are getting mishpat movet, which could be read as a judgment of death or a punishment of death. And Rashi says that Avraham says, I don't, I'm not questioning your right to give punishment, I'm questioning your judgment. But better still, I think, uh, I prefer the following, is that a bad judgment is still a judgment. So Rashi's not saying that Abraham is questioning his right to do mishpat, as in a good judgment or a bad judgment, a fair judgment or an unfair judgment. After all, he is the shofet, so he's going to do mishpat. That's not good enough for Abraham. Abraham is asking that he do mishpat emet, a judgment of truth. And by the way, what is a judgment of truth? It's not necessarily a judgment of chesed and rachamim, which would be to save the rashayim, but a judgment of truth is at least to save the sadikim. A judgment of truth, and this is like uh, uh, perhaps appropriate as we approach Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, and, and uh, Rosh Hashanah is the day that we ask, is Yom Adin? Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur is when we get asked for our second chance, that even if we're guilty, we ask to be um, forgiven. Uh, and we do teshuva and we ask for forgiveness. And please God, we should get it on Yom Kippur. But in Rosh Hashanah, we stand in din. We don't ask for rachamim. Din means that the Rashaim get punished. But Abraham is asking, but at least the Sadiqim don't get punished. And that would be mishpat emet. Yes, Benji. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I don't know if you could finish there. Um, but if, I just wonder if you could um, go again about the Khalil Allah and compare to Khalil Allah. And you mentioned in passing about that's where it picked its place was in the, in the sentence. But if it's an adult topic, we can leave it for another time or whatever. But just wondering why the difference. Does that make sense? Um, okay. I was sort of trying to show off that I know a little bit about Diktuk. But it's always dangerous to show off, you know, a little bit about Diktuk because uh, there's a limit to how much I know. Lacha and Lach are the same thing. The difference comes by where they are in a sentence, um, whether they are at a pause or not. And I think, uh, okay, this is where I'm going to get embarrassed. I think lacha is if it's not before a pause, and lach is if it is at a pause. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. If anyone knows better than me, um, speak up. <laughs> okay, but they are, they are the same thing. Um, they are a, uh, a challenge for a balkorah to get them all right because uh, it's easy to mix them up, but they actually mean the same thing. It's a purely a grammatical distinction between one and the other, based on 
whether they're coming out of pause. Thank you. Okay. So what does Hashem reply in Pasuk Kafvav? Vayoma Hashem. Hashem said, Im emtza Sadam chamishim tzadikim. If I find in Sodom 50 tzadikim, betocha ir in the midst of the city, benasati l'chol hamakom ba'avuram. I will bear, as in I will forgive, all the place because of them. So the answer to Avram's question is yes. If I find in Sodom 50 tzadikim, I will tolerate, I will bear all the place. Says Rashi, all the place means all the cities, all five cities. doesn't mean just Saddam. Now, if you read the Pasuk, it sounds like it does mean Saddam. I will spare the whole place. And what is the place? You would have thought it's the place just referred to, namely Saddam. However, Rashi can't accept that because of what Rashi said two Pesukim ago, but the whole point of asking for 50 is to save all five cities. And that's why Rashi has to say, even though it says L'chol HaMakom, which sounds like it refers to Saddam, it actually means L'chol HaKarakim, because otherwise Rashi's idea of 50 equal five cities won't be borne out by the text. In which case, we have a problem. Why does it say Saddam? It should have said B'chol HaMakom or B'chol Hei Krachim or something like that. It says Saddam. So Rashi has to explain why it says Saddam when it doesn't mean Saddam. Because according to Rashi, it can't mean Saddam. So Rashi says, Ulafisha Saddam Haita Metropolin Mikulam Since Saddam was the metropolis which is a great word, a great word, it's a Greek word. Uh, it's not only, I think it's Latin actually, sorry, not Greek. It's not only the home of Superman. I just thought I'd mention that. Superman lived in Metropolis. I just thought I'd say that. Um, but it means um, Meter Polin, the mother of the people. It means the big city. The Chashuva Mikulam. I thought you'd like that, Sarah. I like that. And it was more, it's the most important of all the places. And therefore, Tala Ba Hakatuv. Therefore, the Pasuk made it depend on Sodom as a representative of the five places. So I might be uh, stretching this for more than necessary, but the point is Rashi has to say that the place to be saved will be more than just Sodom, because he, in order to fit in with his premise that the 50 people are saving 50 cities, and the 50 people are not just found in Sodom, but they're found across the five cities. So therefore, Rashi has to also explain why the Pasuk says, if I find 50 in Sodom, when it actually means, according to Rashi, in the five cities. So the answer is because Sodom is the metropolis. And that's why the place is named, as it were, after Sodom. But it refers to, if you like, greater Sodom, the whole surrounding area. So now Avraham comes back and says, uh, let's have another go. Pasuk Kafsayim. V'yan Avraham v'yomar. Avraham answered and said, Hinei na ha'alti l'daber el Adonai. Behold, I have ha'alti, we'll leave Rashi to translate that, um, to speak el Adonai to my master, v'anochi afar v'efer. And I am dust and ashes. 
Um, I've just noticed something that I don't think every Rashi um, comments on Ha'alti in this case. Because uh, Rashi, uh, Abraham also says Ha'alti in Lamad Aleph. And, okay, the text I'm looking at on the screen has got Ha'alti here in Kafsayin. Um, but the text that I do my main research with has not got it here on Kafsayin. Just a, a poll. Who's got Rashi commenting on Ha'alti here in Kafsayin? Yes? Benji, no? Okay, I'm going to say no, because I think it's uh, more accurate to say no. But he saves it for Ha'alti in Lamad Aleph. Okay, so um, what else does Rashi say in uh, Kafzayin? On the words, Anochi afar ve'efer, I am dust and ashes. Says Rashi, Ukvar hayiti re'ui lihiyot afar al hamalachim. I was already fitting to be dust by the kings, referring to the war of the four kings and the five, against the five kings. He fought on behalf of the five kings against the four kings, motivated by the desire to save Lot, who'd been captured by the four kings. But in the battle, he was vastly outnumbered. His army either consisted of two or 319, depending on how you interpret the words. But either way, it was a very small army compared to that of the four kings, who had literally swept everything before them. Um, so Avram deserved to lose, and if you lost then, you would be turned into dust. So that's why he says, I am fitting to be dust. The Afer and Ash, Al-Yadei Nimrod, by means of Nimrod, who threw him into the fiery furnace. Lulei Rachamecha Asher Omduli. Had it not been for your mercy, which stood for me. So, Rashi is doing two things here, I think, with this comment. First of all, why dust, why ashes? Now, obviously, you can read it as Avraham being humble. I am nothing. I am lowly. And it's a big chutzpah of me, I know, to speak to you, God. But why dafka, dust, and ashes? And why dafka is the question the Rashi always asks. He's not satisfied to say, well, Abraham's just being poetic. In Rashi's book, there's no such thing as just being poetic. That's not to say there isn't poetry, but there's no just being poetic. So we need to explain dust and we need to explain ash. And there are many other ways of saying I am lowly and humble without saying dust and ash. But Rush is doing more than that. And it, I think the key is the last words. If it weren't for your kindness, your chesed, your rachamim, your mercy, which has stood for me. Abraham is saying, according to Rashi, he's already been a tremendous beneficiary of Hashem's rachamim. And therefore, it is a chutzpah for him to ask for more. But nevertheless, that's what he's doing. So the way Rashi explains, Anochi afar ve'efer, is in the sense of, I have already received tremendous rachamim. Without that rachamim, I would be afer. Without that rachamim, I would be afar. So the other way around. And nevertheless, I'm going to ask for more Rachamim. And that's what he does now. And then he says in Kafchet, Ulai Yachsurun Chamishem Hatzadikim Chamisha. Maybe the 50 Sadikim will be lacking five. Hatashchit Bachamisha et Kol Ha'ir. Will you destroy for five all the city? 
ויאמר, and Hashem said, לא אשחית, I will not destroy, אם אמצא שם ארבעים וחמישה. If I find there forty, fine. So, Avraham is saying, thank you very much for saying, uh, you won't destroy for fifty, but you're not going to destroy for five, if there's only forty-five. Now, this is the very um, frustrating, if you're on the wrong side of the bargaining, a child or a colleague, might say, well, you've allowed me to go to 100. Surely you won't mind if I go to 101. After all, that's only one. And surely you won't mind if I go to 102. That's only another one. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to say to a child, you have to say to a colleague, we have to draw the line. Um, and Avraham sounds like he's trying to whittle Hashem down. He's saying, look, you've agreed to 50. So if there's only 45, are you really going to destroy the place just for five? And Avraham, Hashem says no. Now, as I said earlier, and I said these numbers are very significant, particularly the number 45, which is outside the pattern. And, and here's the key point before we come on to Rashi, it's not repeated. Abraham doesn't go after 40, he doesn't go 35. And after 30, he doesn't go 25. And after 20, he doesn't go 15. Why does he go 45 at this point? Benji, you have a question or a point? It's on the previous so we can finish here if you want, then maybe go back or whatever's easiest. I can leave it to the end, even if that's easier. Uh, no, let's go back. Oh, sorry. Um, just wondering about the um, Afar Ve'efer, uh, why he mentioned it now, if, in terms of like saying being humble, or if you said that because he'd already received about with Nimrod and about the Efer, why didn't he say mention that at the start in his first request? Why is it kind of his, in his second request? He asks Hashem, like when he says, um, blah, blah, blah. And then Hashem answers, Imam Tzabasdom, and then only now he says kind of Afar Ve'efer. And I was thinking that maybe what you said about he'd already been accepted, and the, um, I think you said that in terms of maybe the Nimrod and the, um, kings. And the kings, but maybe it's also about he, Hashem accepted his first thing as well, with maybe a double acceptance in that sense, maybe. Okay, um, three things to say. Number one, I don't know. Good question. Number two, uh, your answer might well be a good one, that it's not that he's asking for something, he's asking for something else. He's asking a second time. But number three, it occurs to me, just as you're asking the question, after we've seen Rashi, what Rashi's going to say on Kavchet, maybe that will explain it. So I'll come back to that. Thank you. So your question was perfectly timed. Because his explanation of Kavchet and this great 45 that I keep saying is so crucial, his explanation of 45 is as following. Will you destroy for five? Behold, 45 is nine for each city. 45 divided by five is nine. And you, the righteous one of the world, will join with them. Abraham has said, and Rashi has said, that the number to save a city is 10. That's the golden rule. And Rashi's going to apply that when we go down 40, 30, 20, 10. But there's a little catch because nine equals 10. Why does nine equal 10? Because Hashem is a tzaddik. He's a tzaddiko shalolam. He's the ultimate tzaddik. So if we want to find 10 tzaddikim, well, we only need to find nine human tzaddikim and one divine tzaddik. And that makes 10. And that's what Abraham is asking for at this point. So when I've said that 10 will save a city, I mean 10 including you, you Hashem, which means nine human tzaddikim. 
So I only need to find nine for each city, which is why I need 45. So Benji, it occurs to me, maybe he says the afar of afer, and I was dust. I would have been dust at the hands of the king. I would have been ash at the hands of Nimrod had you not joined with me. This is my own thought, and it's, uh, um, <clears throat> I present it to you for whatever it's worth. I didn't see this anywhere, but it would answer your question, that he introduces the 45 bit, which is the bit about Siraf, about Hashem joining together with the Sadiqim. And Avram says, look, in my life, I've got two examples where you join together with me and save me. You were there, as it were, and you joined in in my trials and you saved me because you were with me, so you can be with nine Sadiqim to make 10. Okay. Then we've explained 50, we've explained 45. 50 will save five cities for 10 people each. 45 will also save five cities, nine people plus Hashem in each one. And just in case uh, you missed that, Rashi said, the hello hein tet the kol krach. It will be nine for each city. The 45 is still to save five cities. Then in Kaftet, he says, but Yosef older the bear elav. He continued furthermore to speak to him. Abraham continued to speak to Hashem, and he said, Maybe there will be found there 40. He doesn't even need to finish the question. Hashem knows what the question is. And Hashem immediately says, Hashem says, I will not do because of the 40. And then Rashi says, Four of the cities will escape. And similarly, Rashi just goes ahead now because he can carry on the 30-20. The 30, uh, the, the 30 will save three cities, or kaf yatsilu bet mehem, or 20 will save two of them, or yud yatsilu echad mehem, or 10 will save one of them. So I know I keep stressing it's 10 per city. The reason I stress this is because Rashi stresses this. Rashi stresses over and over again, but the pattern of the numbers is 10 per city. That's why he starts with 50 to save five cities. That's why he goes to 40, 30, 20, 10, each time to save four cities, three cities, two cities, one city. And that explains the numbers, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. We've also explained the 45, because that is the tziruf, that is that Hashem would join in. Um, Rashi has nothing to say on the next Pasuk. And now Hashem should not get angry and I will speak. Maybe they'll be found there 30. Hashem says, I won't do if I find there 30. And then in Lamad Aleph, he asks for 20. And Behold, I have Ha'alti to speak to my master. Maybe they'll be found there 20. And Hashem said, I will not destroy for the sake of the 20. Now, you remember I gave a little spiel about whether we have a comment on a Ha'alti, um, which occurred in, where was the earlier version? 
Kaf Zion. And <clears throat> yeah, I've noticed the, the version of Russia I'm using myself makes this exactly the same comment on Kaf Zion as it does on Lamad Aleph, which I think is pretty clear, but it's not one of them is wrong because it's very unlikely Rashi would say exactly the same comment in two places, especially so close together. And it makes more sense to say he only says it on Lamad Aleph. So those who've got the comment on Ha'alti and Kaf Zion, I'm pretty sure it's an error. But on Lamad Aleph, he says on the word Ha'alti, what does Ha'alti mean? Rutsiti, I wanted, or I am wanting, don't worry about the tense. And he brings a example of where Ha'al means wanting, Kamo v'yo'el Moshe, Posik says, v'yo'el Moshe l'shevet et ha'ish. After uh, Yitro had welcomed Moshe into Yitro's house, and by the way, he gave him his daughter as a wife, as a bit of a sort of uh, welcome present, um, Moshe wanted to stay with the man. Why does Rashi have to say this? Because ha'il can mean a lot of different things. And the reason he doesn't say it on Kaf Zion is because the normative is probably the one found in Devarim Perak Aleph Pasuk A. At the beginning of Devarim, we have Moshe opening his explanation of the Torah, which is what Devarim is all about. And the Pasuk in Aleph Hey says, Ha'il Moshe, um, I forget the next words, but it is Moshe began to explain this Torah. So the default understanding of Ha'il is began. And that's why it doesn't need comment in Lamad Aleph, although it's not the very first thing that, um, sorry, Lamad Aleph, I meant Kavzayin. Kavzayin is not the very opening words. Um, nevertheless, it's the, towards the beginning of Abraham's speech. So Abraham says in Kavzayin, Behold, I have begun to speak to my master, speak to Hashem. Abraham said, look, I started speaking to you. That's what Ha'alti means in Kaf Zion. However, in Lamad Aleph, it can't mean I have begun because it's long after he's begun. He's been going on and on for five pesukim. So it can't mean Ha'alti, I have begun. Therefore, Rashi has to say it means something else. The alternative interpretation, not the default one, but the interpretive, the alternative meaning of Ha'alti is Rotsiti. I have wanted, as it means in Shemot Perak Bet, Vayoel Moshe Leshevet et Ha'ish. So that's Rashi on Ha'alti. And now we come to Lamad Bet. So we've gone through um, 40, sorry, 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, and we come to 10, Lamad Bet. Vayomer, and he says, Alna Yichala Adoni. Please don't be angry to my master, and I will speak. This time, maybe there will be found there ten. And Hashem said, I will not destroy for the ten. Sarah, you have a point? Yes, just on Rashi's reference of Vayoel, um, by Moshe and Yitro. I might be thinking midrashically, but is it not also understood there as a, a vowing sort of context? Yes, it is. That is a fascinating midrash, but it's not Rashi's. Rashi doesn't bring that midrash. Sure. Uh, what does he say? The, what did, that, Avra, that Moshe made a vow that he would, do you know what he would give? 
give his eldest child for Avadazara. Indeed. Amazing midrash. Since you mentioned it, let me tell you Rav Desler's uh, comment on that. Um, but you're quite right. It's another, it, I would say that's the third meaning of uh, Yoel, which means who, to, to make an oath. I'm not quite sure exactly the etymology. Um, but the midrash uses that explanation, that, that interpretation, and says Moshe made an oath with Yitro, which is why Moshe had to ask permission for Yitro and also might explain why his first son wasn't circumcised. Uh, and Sipporah had to circumcise. It all sort of fits together. Rav Desla says two things which are fascinating. First of all, he says, of course, the Midrash not to be taken literally, which I think is quite important if someone like Rav Desla says, uh, as I think many others will say, but it's like good to hear it from someone like Rav Desla, that of course you don't have to take the Midrash literally. It's metaphorical. It's a metaphor, but what the metaphor is, and this is scary, Moshe agreeing to marry into a rather and to live and to raise his family in Yitro's house. So Yitro, who had been a Cohen to every Avodah Zarah that ever was, that's not the right atmosphere to bring up your children. And by deciding to bring up your children in that atmosphere, it's as if you're making a vow that the firstborn will be handed over to Avodah Zarah. Really strong stuff. So, uh, Sarah, as always, you are absolutely right, but that's not, Rashi doesn't bring that uh, in his comment on Shemot Peret Bet. I think it is, is the root, like Ella, like in sort of a Nazir type synonym, like a Bavet. I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Ian. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Back to the mystery of the 10. Why does he stop at 10? And with this comment of Rashi on Lamad Bet, with a bit of work, everything will be explained. Rashi says, Ulayim Masara. For less than 10, he did not ask. Omar, he said, Abraham, sorry, said to himself, In the generation of the flood, there were eight, Noach, Uvanav, Onishehem, Noach and his sons and all of their wives, that makes eight. Below Hitzilo Aldoram, and they did not save their generation. By the way, just in brackets, that would imply that Ham originally was a tzaddik. We know Ham turned a bit bad afterwards, um, after what he did to uh, Noah, when he did what he did to Nach. But it sounds like originally in, he was a, he was a tzaddik. So there were eight tzaddikim, and they were not enough. So Avram knows there's no point in asking for eight. Eight doesn't work. And you might say, well, eight can't save the world, but maybe eight can save a city. Apparently, Avram doesn't think that. Now, and here's the next words. The Altet, Aliyadeid Siruf, for nine, by joining in, in other words, Hashem joining in, Kavar Bikesh Matzah. He had already asked and didn't find. He didn't find nine. Now, what does it mean? So, in other words, when he asked for ten, he really means ten and nine, nine with Hashem joining in, but there aren't even nine Sadiqim let alone 10. So that's why he stopped. He knew there's no point going down to eight because eight doesn't work. He is effectively asking for nine and he doesn't find nine Sadiqim. And that's why Saddam is destroyed. Now, I'm actually inspired by what the Ramban says about this Rashi, which I'll, I'll come to in a minute. But 
What Rashi means at this last point, sorry, he'd already asked for tet. He'd already asked for nine. When did he ask for nine? As far as we can see, he asked for 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. He doesn't ask for nine. Says Rashi, he's already asked for nine. You know when? When he asked for 45. He asked for 45, and Rashi explained that he was introducing the principle of Tziruf, of Hashem joining in. And Hashem agreed. Hashem said, I will consider 45, the way Rashi explains it, as if it's 50. Because that's four, five, sorry, five times nine, plus me, plus Hashem for each group of nine, makes five lots of ten. And here's the point. Therefore, Rashi, when he asks for 40, he's also asking for 36 to save four cities. 36 being four times nine. And when he asks for 30 to save three, he's also asking for 27. And when he asks for 20, he's also asking for 18. How do I know that? Because Rashi says explicitly, when he asks for 10, he's also asking for nine. And so all the numbers fit. It's 10 per city. It's five lots, five cities saved by 50, four cities saved by 40, etc. And when he asks for 45, he's asking that nine be enough to count as 10 with Hashem, olam, the ultimate righteousness of the world, joining in. Rashi doesn't, sorry, Abraham doesn't have to ask for 36, 27, 18, 9, because he's already done that when he asked for 45. Now, the Ramban asks a gewaldikakasha, as one might say. Uh, as I said, the Ramban analyzes Rashi, explains Rashi, and then says, I, the Ramban, think just the numbers are sort of not quite as systematic as that. Again, that's my way of putting it. But Ramban asks a key question. He says, if 50 save five cities, that is already saying 10 should save a city. In which case, shouldn't it be automatic that 40 will save four cities and 30 will save three cities? In which case, why is Avraham making such a big deal and saying, please, please, Hashem, can you listen to me one more time? Can I approach you one more time? And 40 save four cities, 30 save three cities. It's the same thing. Once he's asked for 50 to save five, he's automatically asked for 40 to save four. It's the same thing. Why does Avraham have to say, please, can I ask for 40 to save four? So the Ramban says that we have a principle that the more the merrier means that a group which let's say my numbers twice the size can achieve more than double the effect um he brings the rashi in um uh, where the posik says that a hundred of you will chase a, sorry five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand five will chase a hundred and a hundred will chase ten thousand and Rashi says there explicitly, the maths is wrong. If five can chase 100, that means one can chase 20. That means 100 should chase 2,000. But in fact, 100 can chase 10,000. Why? Says Rashi, you can't compare a small number keeping the Torah with a big number keeping the Torah. So the effect of a large number is disproportionate to the size of the group. Says the Ramban, that's what's going on here. So that's why Abraham has to keep asking. 
if five fifty five lots of ken ten can save five cities, maybe it's because it's a large group together that gives them extra power. So maybe 40 won't be able to save four cities. So says the Ramban, that's why Rashi says Avraham has to keep asking. I accept, thank you very much, Hashem, you've said 50 can save five, but maybe that doesn't mean 40 is enough to save four. Maybe 50 can only save five because of the power of 50, and 40 can't even save four. And when Hashem says, all right, 40 will save four, then 30, uh, Avram starts to ask, maybe 30 is not enough to save three. And he asks, and 20 for two and 10 for one. So the reason he has to keep asking is because maybe he, he, he's afraid in a sense that the 50 can save five because of the power of 50, not just because it's five lots of 10. But according to this, then there's another question. So if he has to ask 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, why doesn't he have to ask 45, 36, 27, 18, 9. Why does he able to if say that if he's asked for 45, then as I explained earlier, and Rashi says, he's already been granted 36, 27, 18, 9. So the answer is that when it comes to the power of a large group, it is disproportionate to the power of a small group. However, when it comes to Hashem joining in, Hashem will join into a small group exactly the same way as Hashem will join into a large group. And that's the message as the Ramban explains this Rashi, that he doesn't need to ask for Tziruf more than once, because Tziruf says, I, I Hashem will join with the group, whether I will join with five lots of nine, or four lots of nine, or three lots of nine, or two lots of nine, or one lots of nine, that you don't need to keep asking for, because Hashem's ability to join in to help us help ourselves, that doesn't depend on the size of the group. But the overall power of the group, maybe that will be disproportionate for a larger group. That's why Avram has to ask 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, but he only has to ask 45 once. And as Rashi here on Lamad Bet says explicitly, he has asked for nine, and by implication he's asked for 18, 27, and 36, when he asked for 45. Okay, that was where I wanted to get to tonight. That covers Rashi's approach to Abraham and the numbers. It is 9.30. That is a good place to take Benji's question. Thanks, Rob. Sorry, I know it's already 9.30. Just noticing in the, in the um, numbers when they go from 45 in that, in that kind of paragraph, so some of the endings are a bit different. I'm wondering if you have any insight on that, like why, it's, why sometimes it says, I'm just starting with the 45. I mean, the Hamishim is a bit different, but not the same structure as the others, but 45 says, like, but then, like, for 40, it says, sorry, that was for 40 and 30, like, just that ending in there. Okay. Um, I, uh, I don't know at all. I don't know. Now, I haven't got a clever answer to that. Uh, and Rashi doesn't address it. Um, I did see something which doesn't work, which is partly answers your question, but it doesn't answer it. Um, uh, I actually saw in a safer that when our Hashem says for the 45, um, that is in Kavchet. Hashem says, Lo Ashkit, I will not destroy. And then for 40, he says, Lo Eeser. And for 30, he says, Lo Eeser. So somebody wants to say that when it comes to 45, so that's not quite so good because it needs Hashem to join in. It's not quite the same as having 10 people there. So he won't, he won't destroy 
but maybe he'll do something to a lesser extent. But when it comes to 30 and 20, that will save three cities, that will save two cities, that's good enough. Lo Eser, I won't do anything at all. However, the reason I didn't offer that is because it doesn't fit. Because when it comes to Esrim and Eser, Hashem says Lo Ashkit, just like he does for 45. So as I say, I'm not going to say which safer I saw it in, but I really saw it in the safer, but it, it's just wrong. Because um, when he says lower air for 40 and 30, as implying I won't do anything at all, but then he goes back to lower shit for 20 and 10, which might imply I won't destroy, but I will do something, but that doesn't make sense. So um, excellent question, but I don't have an answer. And Rashi doesn't address it, which is interesting. Thank you. It's more in like response to Abraham's framing of the question as opposed to the number itself. Can you see how the answer matches up to the question? Haven't had enough time to look yet. Okay. Just in, sorry, just sorry for even mentioning it, but in terms of Abraham's response to, sorry, Abraham asking, um, So Abraham sort of introduces the Tashchit, sorry, as the verb then, and God responds, but then that doesn't work with. So in 50, he says, um, Will you just uh, tolerate the place? And Hashem says, uh, So there in the 50, he, he answers the way Avram asks. Yeah. 45. He says, Lo Ashkit, and he, Abraham, uh, Hashem says, Lo, uh, sorry, for 45, yeah, he says, Lo Ashkit. And for 40, Abraham doesn't actually ask him anything. He just says, well, he doesn't get round to asking anything. He just says, yeah. What if you find 40? Lo Eser. For 30, what if you find 30? He says, Lo Eser. For 20, Again, same, it sounds pretty similar from Abraham's point of view. What if you find 20? Hashem says, Lo Ashkit. Yeah, I wonder. And then he says, Ba'avor. In both, in 20 and 10, he says the word Ba'avor, which he doesn't say in 30. He doesn't say in 30, but he does say in 40. I think we need to do more work on it. Yeah. Because also the, the Ho'altis and the, the responses earned by both Ho'altis. Yeah. But, and I, I say this not as a flippant cop-out for me, Rashi doesn't address these things, yeah. which means that Rashi doesn't see them as needing addressing, either because the answer is so obvious or because it's just not something that needs explanation. Okay, we will stop there. Emir Tashem, we'll meet again same time next week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you very much. So interesting. Thank you. Thank you.